Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, and the Apostle Paul writing, but you'll notice as with 1 Thessalonians, he has his two companions with him here. But here's what it says from the New King James Version. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So once again, when he's writing a letter, instead of putting love John at the end of the letter like we would do in Western culture often, he, he back in this day, as was cultural, uh, as was common, he would put himself the author of the letter first, and then who it's to. So I love it. I think it's the best way to do it because now you know who a letter's to, who it's from, and so now you can put into context everything that's being said. Unlike some of the letters that I've read, and you get to the end, and I'm surprised at who wrote that letter, and I have to go back and reread it because I was reading it presuming it was someone else. And so to the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is uh, his regular greeting that he gives in most all of his books. And I believe, as I've said before, I say it maybe every book, that I believe that this is not to be just a formality, but that we need to understand the power of our words and that when we say peace, like in, in the Jewish people in Israel say shalom, peace. Well, they, they I don't think, intend it uh, with as much uh, a power as it has available. But I think Paul would know when he's speaking grace and peace to these churches that he believes that grace actually is extended to them. Peace is actually extended to them through words. Words are powerful and especially if they're words of faith. So, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, we are bound to give, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as is, it is fitting, uh, because of your faith grows exceedingly. I love this. He doesn't just say we're thankful here, as he has in other places. He said we're bound to thank God for you. We're bound to thank God for you. We have to, we're chained to this. We have to thank God for you. It's an obligation to thank God for you. With all that God has done in you, and uh, since we brought the gospel to you, oh, we are bound. We know we have to give thanks. God has been so good to follow through with you, to bless you as he has. We're bound to thank God always for you, brethren. As it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other. So what a great report that the Thessalonians are abounding in love for one another, because that's not as common as it ought to be. Verse 4, so that we ourselves boast among you among the churches. So, excuse me, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. So notice, Paul is giving us this clue that the Thessalonians are enduring some persecutions and some tribulations. 
And so he's saying, and we have to give thanks because of how you're responding to those, because of how you're trusting God, living for God through those persecutions and tribulations. And no doubt some of that uh, was certainly due to living godly. Because Paul told Timothy, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And so here they're suffering persecution. Verse 5, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. So notice he says, you suffer persecution that you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. So he's saying what, what we're seeing here with this severe persecution and affliction, this tribulation that you're going through, and yet you walking in obedience, in faith, in love, in the dignity of the kingdom. He said this is evidence of the righteous judgment of God. Righteous judgment against the attacks, against false, uh, false gods, and against sinful ways. But he said also, it's the righteous judgment people can see by your response of godliness and not attacking them in the flesh back for their persecution. He said, no, people can see. They ought to see from your response that there's a real God and there's a real right way to do things, and they they can live like this because you're the example. And so this is evidence of the righteous judgment of God. Verse 6, since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you. Notice this, oh, powerful. Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you. So God's saying they're troubling you, but it's a righteous thing with God. He's, he's going to repay them for troubling you. It's a righteous thing with God. In other words, God is righteous, and it's right for him to do it. It's right for him when they attack you. It's right for him to attack them, so to speak. Now, does God want to attack people? No. God sent Jesus to save people. But when people are attacking his family members, well, it's right a righteous thing with God to defend his family members and to... Uh, cause tribulation for those people who are causing tribulation for his children. So it goes on to say now in verse 7, and to give you, not only to uh, bring tribulation to those who are attacking you, and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. So he said, not only is it a righteous thing with God to in, to judge and to uh, uh, inflict tribulation on people who are causing pain on his children, but he said, but to also comfort his children and such. But notice he says something that you know you almost wish he didn't say, and that is to give us uh, who are troubled rest uh, with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven. It's like, oh Lord, how about rest now? Not at the end of the age when Jesus comes back, but he's saying, just watch how this plays out. You may look like you're the underdog. You're mistreated like you're the one that's not even right with God because they're blessed and you're not so blessed because you're going through this suffering and persecution. He said, but let me tell you, that thing is going to flip around when Jesus comes back. And all those who are part of his family are going to be comforted and blessed. And those who were causing tribulation are going to be judged 
for the tribulation they caused. Verse 8, in flaming fire, this is God coming, Jesus coming, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God. See, right now, there's delay, delay, delay. God's giving more time, more time, more time, more time. But there's going to come a day when Jesus comes back. Time's up. Time's up. And it says he's t- he will take vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you may act like and say you know God, but if you don't obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, then you're not saved. So you have to obey it. Not to measure up to be saved, but if you're really saved, you'll want to obey it and be obeying it. See, so this is important. A lot of people take grace to an extreme as if they can be forgiven and be right with God, be on their way to heaven, and live a sinful lifestyle. And the Bible says that's not, that's not true. You are saved by grace, but now by grace... Walk in that salvation in obedience and holiness to God. Verse 9, these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Boy, this is powerful. These, talking about unbelievers who are judged, these shall be punished with everlasting destruction. Everlasting. What does that mean? Last forever. These shall be punished. What a horrible price to pay not to serve the Lord. Oh, serve the Lord. Stick with him. Give him all, all of the allegiance and obedience that he deserves. Because the others will be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. It's one thing to have the torture of hell, the eternal lake of fire. But another horrible thing is to be banished from the presence of God. You don't sense even what unbelievers sense about the presence of God all around you. You don't sense that anymore. You're banished from the presence of the Lord. Horrible feeling. Horrible feeling for eternity. Verse 10. When he comes in that day, so being banished from the presence of the Lord from his holy glory and power, when will this happen? When he comes in that day, capital D, the the big word, the big day, the second coming of Jesus, to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. Therefore, we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you can see there that he's talking about the end of the age again. We're going to get into it again in this next chapter, pretty deep actually, maybe as deep as we've been all of these two books of Thessalonians. But um, but he's talking about the end of the age. He's talking about the judgment at the end of the age. And we're receiving admonishment today and saying, look, we got to not only be born again by putting our faith in the Lord, but now we got to walk in obedience to him because we are saved. And let me tell you, it's really the best life. The flesh doesn't like it, but the spirit loves it <laughs> and God loves it. And we've got to do this. Why? Because the devil wants to tempt us back with our flesh to walk in disobedience to God so that eventually we wouldn't even be saved. And God doesn't want that for us. He's saying, no, stick with me. Come on, walk as children of God, children of the light. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. 
And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.